SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen this week. Joining me, as always, are Stefan Jin. Whoa. Hi. Hi. What's your tagline, Stefan? Uh, there's an alien inside me. Ooh. Is it abs? Uh, no. I took those abs out years ago. <laughs> okay. You just don't have abs in general? <laughs> Got them removed. Yeah. Who needs them? Joining us also is Sam Schultz. Hello. Hi. What's the weirdest thing you did this week? We blended some cabbage up at work. That was weird. That was weird. It smelled funny. It looked beautiful, though. Yeah, it was beautiful, but it had a funny smell. That was probably the weirdest thing I've done so far. Yeah, that I also, that is the weirdest <laughs> thing I've also done this week. Yeah. What is your tagline? Eight pack of paper towels. <laughs> <laughs> Sari Riley is also here. Hi, Sari. Hello. What have you been writing about? Oh, I've been working on AI, which I think I can talk about now. Oh, yes. Because we're doing a crash course on AI, and I'm learning all about computers. Are you excited? 
Or terrified. Both. Yeah. I never realized how much AI was in the world. Like I kind of in the back of my mind did. Mm -hmm. But now it's like everything is controlled by it in some way. Or there are so many systems that humans interact with that are also weighed in on by algorithms beyond social media. So understanding them will hopefully be help in some way. Probably a positive for the world, but maybe like a negative for the individual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your tagline? Uh, an eight pack of eggs. Oh. Eight oh, pack eight of pack eggs? That sounds so a wrong. Strange amount of eggs. Ugh, mm-hmm. I hate it. <laughs> Who sells that? That's bad. <laughs> and I'm Hank Green. My tagline is, ew, Bad eggs. (laughs) Every week here on Tangents, we try to one-up and amaze and delight each other with science facts. We're doing it for the joy of it. We're doing it for glory. And we're also keeping score to see who will be the winner of this week's episode. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but it is called SciShow Tangents. We will probably not be great at that. So... If the rest of the team deems a tangent unworthy, you will have to give up one of your Hank Pucks. Tangent with care. Now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with a traditional science poem. Will you pee on these seeds of barley and wheat? Will you pee in this sink where I have placed a key? Will you pee where I can see and combine it with wine to react with the proteins? Okay, let's put your pee inside of this bunny. Then we just have to check the size of its ovary. There have been throughout history many ways to determine whether there might be a baby inside squirming. And since then we've done And since then we've done a fair bit of science learning, but strangely we still often rely on people's urine. Yeah, of course we do. That poem was uh Unhinged. <laughs> that moment. <laughs> Something distinctly disturbing about it. You know? It went through so many different phases, I think. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah there was different rhyme several. Schemes. Yeah. It, it felt <laughs> as if the rhyme schemes were meant to keep us uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> is. is that your goal, Stefan? Uh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> very intentional. Well done. Just like the suspense of a pregnancy test. We had no idea <laughs> where it was going. Yeah. What rhyme will come next? <laughs> very uncomfortable. All right. So the topic today is not pregnancy tests, but pregnancy generally. Also, I think that you referenced pregnancy in your tagline. Yes. There's an alien inside me. Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll get into that later, (laughs) maybe. But first, Sarah's going to tell us what pregnancy is. Pregnancy was actually kind of hard to find a definition for, for Hmm. some reason. Pregnancy is usually used to refer to mammals, and it's the part of reproduction after implantation through the whole gestation period. So, like, after the egg has been fertilized with the sperm, it implants into the uterus and then grows, and that's pregnancy. But... People say that non-mammalian animals get pregnant, too, because there are snakes that give birth to live young. Mm. There are sharks that give birth to live young. And they also have placentas. Hmm. I didn't know. uh, To help feed them. Yeah. If they're viviparous, which is a great word, meaning live young bearing, as opposed to Mm. oviparous, which is eggs. Viviparous. Would you say that those are pregnant? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, there's a living animal inside <laughs> of it. They're definitely pregnant. And yeah. like male, everybody says male seahorses are pregnant. That's true. Yeah. Uh, because they do they get the eggs implanted into them by the female? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think so. And then they hatch inside of him and then mm-hmm. he squirts them out. Oh. What about those toads, Suriname toads, that get the babies the implanted, eggs implanted in their skin? In their skin, yeah, not in their skin. Stomach. Pregnant Ooh, is also pregnant. Okay. I'm saying it. I'm here today, uh, chief no. science decider of <laughs> Earth. 
Skin pregnancy yeah. is real. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we've got our, our topic defined. Do we have it defined? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, okay. hey, I am the chief science decider of Earth. Uh, so yeah. we've, we've got there. And so it is thus time for in which one of our panelists, and it is me, has prepared three science facts for the education and enjoyment of the rest of you. But only one of those facts is real. The rest of you have to figure out, either by deduction or wild guess, which is the true fact. And if you do, you get a Hank Buck. If you're tricked, then the presenter gets the Hank Buck. I am here for you with some pregnancy facts. Mm. This is actually not quite pregnancy. I have prepared for you three different ideas that are in the U.S. Patents Database for how to help a person get a baby out of them because that process is hard. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Yeah. I didn't know that there were these things. One is real. One is real. None of them have ever been used. So we it is important that, to know huh? that none of them have ever been used okay. because you will think to yourself, there is no way that any of these have ever been used. <laughs> Patent number one, an inclined bed on a hinge that hinges up and down on one side where the head goes, and it is connected to a pole, and that pole spins the bed around <laughs> up to eight Gs, <laughs> which would result in the baby being pulled from the body, and the baby would then land in a net that had been slung between the parents' legs. Oh, okay. Patent number two. So this idea that is patented would be having a person give birth by bouncing up and down. This is a never-used contraption that would allow a person to basically be raised repeatedly up 20 feet and then dropped on a kind of bungee cord to put pressure on the baby. Or, number three, in the 1960s, physician John Burdick, after attempting to remove a stripped screw from a door hinge, realized that the process worked better if he used a tool to vibrate the hinge. Thus, he developed the never-used Burdick vibrating birthing bed, which would jiggle people as they gave birth, theoretically loosening the child inside them. That sounds okay to me. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a jiggle, Dr. John. <laughs> They uh, all sound like really sketchy theme park rides. Like, come yeah, on yeah. in, have a baby. <laughs> I feel like the bungee cord one would just take too much vertical room. I mean, I feel like so does the centrifuge one. <laughs> yeah, but okay. Yeah, no, I agree. It's easy. Uh, so? To be clear, none of these were ever implemented. Hmm. I want it to be the centripetal birth machine. Uh -huh. If you got any questions about the centripetal birth machine, I can attempt to answer them. Who's catching the baby? Which right. Is like, just like a, a circle of doctors. <laughs> <You're> ready. <laughs> yeah. Who's gonna get it? No, it's just the bungee cord catches the yeah. baby. Oh, uh, no. That seems so, that just, doesn't seem right. No, that's mm -hmm. real bad. Definitely uh. not the thing that happens. What about the bouncing up and down? Is that also a net? beneath the person that catches the baby yeah. so same situation also seems bad not catch like catching there's your too baby. much force like babies are too oh fragile. they put a lot of force on babies like the forceps that's a lot of force in the head uh, and the neck vacuum yeah, sucking 8g <laughs> is a lot <laughs> like fighter pilots pass out i think <laughs> what's up sam you look like you i'm got just it. thinking like going back up on the bungee cord that it, maybe would like the up went slower Okay. And then they dropped, and then slowly up, and then dropped. The up seems like it would be more useful than the down. Well, it's the catching at the bottom that creates the G force. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So we're like, there's <laughs> that a moment like of weightlessness, burst, uh, yeah. which the, is just very oh. relaxing, I assume. Yeah. And then the moment when the person gets caught, and then the baby gets pushed down. Hmm. Tower of Terror. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
the vibrating one sounds. I can't believe I'm going to say the sentence. It sounds like the most uncomfortable one. Really? What? Yeah. Oh, I completely disagree. Uh, yeah. Being spun around at eight G's while giving birth sounds <laughs> less comfortable. It sounds Being horrible. dropped from twenty feet sounds less. I don't know. I would lay on a vibrating bed right now. I do think that all of these ideas sound like Horrible. ideas dudes had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm already scared enough of pregnancy. I'm glad none of these are used. I want to go with the shaking one. I think that one is too boring to be oh, real. The spinning around one, I just don't think it's realistic enough. I'm just counting the bungee cord one. I think that one's not realistic enough. Oh, yeah. Too dangerous? Uh, it just seems like a lot of extra stuff. The <laughs> vertical say, part of it is yeah. what bothers me for some reason. Yeah, it's just like you need a tall this room. This is not how tall buildings who, who are. Who has a 20-foot room in a hospital? <laughs> yeah. Old-timey medicine was weird. I could see someone being like, this is an outdoor contraption, so <laughs> oh, you're just sure. going to give birth in the lot next like to the a, doctor's <laughs> office. <laughs> People can come watch. Yeah, there wasn't even a doctor's office. It was it's yeah, it's like, a barber shop yeah. still. <laughs> the town birthing and bungee. <laughs> yeah. Come see it. Yeah. yeah. So I want to do good. this. It's also a good uh, just spectator sport. Yeah. <laughs> people, people come by. They're like, hey, did you hear? Uh, you bring kids by and that's their sex ed. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go, kids. This is how it works. Uh-huh. This is how babies happen. This is why you shouldn't have sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, put you on, we'll put you in the birth and drop. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going with the stupid shaking bed. I know I'm wrong. Uh, I was going so for I'm the stupid shaking bed. Sam's got stupid shaking I'll bed. Do the, I'll do the bungee. We got bungee? Oh, okay. I'll do the centrifuge just to do the divide them up. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to open the patent up here and read you the title of this patent. You were smiling too big for it to be the shaking bed. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> Apparatus for facilitating the birth of a child by centrifugal no, force. No, what? holy shit! <laughs> There's the the patent diagram. Oh, oh this was dear. from 1963. <laughs> you can see the net there between oh, that boy. that person's legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, strapped on two times just for safety because <laughs> they don't want the net to slip off. <laughs> yeah. uh, absolutely not. And then there's your tilty bed and then it swings up as the centrifuge starts oh, going no. so it goes flat. Who invented this? Was he even a doctor? Boy, I don't know. George. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, George and Charlotte, actually. Oh, no. Uh, Charlotte, Char- George's wife assisted him in the creation of this thing, which one assumes is a joke, but it is an actual patent. They applied in 1963. It was granted in 1965. Patent number 3,216,423. It the space age, baby. It does not appear that this person is a doctor. I wonder if they tried that at home, like she was giving birth and he like held onto her arms and started spinning to see if he could use... <laughs> is this working, honey? Is this better? <laughs> is this helping? Is it better? Uh, there's, I found a uh, even better um, photograph here of it uh, that apparently someone... Not was, photograph. They didn't build it, right? Sorry, no, not photograph. <laughs> Illustration. <Okay. laughs> it's like imagining George and his wife building this death trap of a birthing machine in their basement. Oh, boy. One assumes that the woman is unconscious for this process, oh, right? No. That didn't occur to me. Like, yeah. that well, must be. But it seems like her head's in the center of the circle. So, like, sh- her head... Her head is, is very close to the center of the circle. Experiencing a ton of... Yeah. Forces, but then like all of her blood's being pushed, pulled down to her feet mm. still. The, but yeah. she's unconscious. So, and also it's all about getting the baby out. Yeah, not about whether she survives <laughs> this process. Were the other two even remotely real? No, 
I made them okay. up completely. <laughs> okay. uh, both of those were totally made up. The Blonskys never themselves had children. Okay. The idea was conceived during a trip to the Bronx Zoo. They noticed an elephant that was slowly spinning in place, and the zookeeper wrongly told them that the <laughs> elephants do that. <laughs> While they are giving birth. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Oh, this invention inspired an opera called the Blonsky Device that premiered in 2013. Well, thanks, everybody, for this fun time. I'm glad I found out about the Blonsky's Bizarre Device. We're going to head to the fact off soon. But now, a word from our sponsors. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. Welcome back, everybody. Here's where we're at. Re the Hank Buck totals. Sarah, you have one for guessing the correct device. Nice. I have two. Sam has zero and Stefan has one. Now Sam and Sari have a chance to get some bucks and catch up with me in our next segment, The Fact Off. Two panelists have brought in facts to present to the others in an attempt to blow our minds, and uh, Stefan and I will decide which fact we want to award our Hank Buck to. Who goes first? That is the person who most recently touched a baby. Oh, I touched one on Tuesday. <laughs> last Tuesday. Not, last this, Tuesday? not today. Okay. I don't know when I've touched a baby. Maybe. Have you ever? I don't know. Probably not. You never touched a baby? No, I don't know many babies. So I guess that means Sam's going to go first. Breeding pandas in captivity is super hard. Female pandas only ovulate once a year, and they have like three days to be impregnated. So basically... Is be that... better at being alive, pandas. <laughs> well, I'm going to get into that a little okay. bit. Okay. Uh, so basically there has to be a male like right next to them mm. or like a team ready to artificially inseminate them and that doesn't always work. And if there's a male around, it's not a sure thing because some pandas just don't seem to know how to have sex. So when Yuan Yuan, the panda, was successfully impregnated in 2015, the Taipei Zoo took it really seriously. Like all the other pandas that were pregnant before her, they moved her into her own room where it was climate controlled mm. and they gave her buns and candy and <laughs> and like uh, bamboo. Just gave you really good bamboo <laughs> and Snickers. Well, she was like squirting like in the picture she was squirting honey in her mouth. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. I think it's what, she, what it was. It was some yeah. kind of honey like 
substance. Yeah. But then a few months later, despite showing various hormonal and physical signs, the staff of the zoo figured out that she was not pregnant at all. Uh-oh. Um, and that she was living it up in this climate control room for no reason. She's faking it. So newspapers all over the world published articles that said things like sneaky zoo panda fakes pregnancy to get more treats <laughs> and panda accused of faking pregnancy to get better food. And those are really interesting headlines and clickbaiting, but they're right. not even remotely true. Oh, OK. So panda researchers for a long time have known about something called pseudo pregnancy in pandas. A panda's hormones change, their uterus thickens, and they get really picky about what they eat. Hmm. And they show all the normal signs of pregnancy that other mammals would show, but they aren't pregnant. People aren't really sure why this happens, but the current best theory is that they only have a baby every like three years and they only have one baby at a time. Mm -hmm. So they're like wired to know that they're not very good at it. So they're also wired to make sure that when they get pregnant they like keep the baby right so they do all this stuff just when they think that they're pregnant they got a hair trigger yeah so to the outward observer who's not an expert in pandas it would seem like they just are like making themselves seem pregnant and it's a really well-known thing like i said and the articles that i talked about all had that information in them but it was always at the very bottom (laughs) well here's the situation we're writing headlines (laughs) sam yeah well but the whole article it would be like the whole article where it was like this panda is really sneaky it did this crazy thing and then the last paragraph of be like panda researchers actually say that as pseudo pregnancy and that this happens to pandas all the time and that they're not tricking anybody and pandas aren't smart enough to trick anybody <laughs> so that's my thing pseudo pregnancy pseudo pregnancy pandas are dumb <laughs> yeah okay they're trying their best why are they why do they not know how to have sex sam i don't know okay. why we're doing our best to keep pandas around but oh, they are not helping not helpful at all. so that's like they experience the hormonal changes and everything in their body it's not that they're just behaving differently no they sampled her poop and it had pregnancy hormones in it she was not eating everything that she normally would eat she was like very specifically eating certain things and they were taking samples and stuff and could yeah, tell this, that this there was physical changes was to it like, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. she was feeling it it's probably the morning mm-hmm. sickness well I don't know we're gonna get into that later too yeah oh <laughs> oh all right so we've got this fake pregnant this this pregnancy Pseudo faker pregnancy. wasn't a pregnancy, pregnancy faker yeah but they still tried to inseminate her mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. we've been using a lot of language that's like her body is deciding to do it but there's probably a chemical signal involved right? oh yeah like I think, I think i think i think probably the process of knowing she was inseminated mm-hmm. in some way was what did it i don't think they consciously make the decision to try yeah. It. yeah yeah i think we all understand that, but the way we've been talking about <laughs> oh, it was right. not Excuse clear me. to viewer. The, the panda listeners. doesn't decide to do it. Yeah. <laughs> the knowing that we're talking yeah, about right is now. chemical signals happening and yeah. things like a domino effect based on, right. I don't know, sperm in their body mm-hmm. um, rather than thinking really hard. Yeah, right. <laughs> just, just hoping and praying. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Sari, what do you got for us? So in humans, most of the time, the embryo implants inside the uterus. But there are some cases when it can implant somewhere outside the uterus, like in a fallopian tube or in the vaginal canal. And that's called an ectopic pregnancy. And they're usually really risky situations. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the embryo dies. And in even rarer cases, an embryo can start developing somewhere in the abdomen where it's 
definitely not like supposed to outside be. Outside of like the uterus, outside of the entire reproductive tract. Yes. Boo. Don't know how it gets there. Probably some weird tear we don't see inside our bodies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in Usually. Usually. In, in the good days. Yeah. yeah. If it's allowed to grow for a couple months, it can become too large to get broken down and reabsorbed by the body. Because usually if you have foreign tissue, your immune system kicks in, breaks it down. And in these cases, there have been less than 300 across medical literature. This chunk of dead embryo tissue looks like damage to our immune systems. And instead of getting broken down, it gets covered in a tough mineralized layer of calcium man and becomes what is called a stone baby or oh. a lithopedian a lithopedian yeah lith is it's, it's stone stone pedian ped from baby. Like baby yeah like stone baby uh. in greek and so oftentimes they don't cause medical problems and so they can go undetected for a really really long time until people come in complaining about pain or needing an x-ray for another reason and doctors notice a weird lump and then extract this thing that looks like a rock in the shape of a small human. Wow, I'm looking at pictures of them. It just looks like a rock until they cut it open and then it's like, oh, baby. I don't know where in the pregnancy it stops and I think it probably varies and so all the pictures out there are probably the more developed ones. Right. How often does this happen? Very rarely. So you said there were 300 cases. Is that of the stone baby? Or mm-hmm. is it? Yeah. So then more frequently, the embryos are implanting outside of the uterus, but they get reabsorbed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah is much that more frequent. Common? No. AmericanFamilyPhysician.org says <laughs> that ectopic pregnancy occurs at a rate of 19.7 cases per 1,000 pregnancies in North America. But that's, but that's, like, that's like in general. Yeah. But yeah, that's abdomen, like fallopian too. Yeah. Like abdomen is way more rare than that. Yes. And then calcifying is even more rare. Yeah than that. Huh. So it's a, it's an extremely, extremely rare phenomenon. There are other times when calcium can get deposited into injuries. It's not an uncommon bodily process. It's not like the rarest thing to happen. Mm. So like kidney stones happen because of a buildup of calcium. Breast tissue, if there's damage, like the fat oh, no. gets replaced by calcified bunches at some points or around arteries. There's yeah. calcium in your blood vessels and there are some cases where it can build up and form right. calcified. And all formations. of these things are like pathology though. They're not like things your body is doing that is what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. It's the complexity of your body interacting with itself in an unintended way, and then Mm. you end up with these rocks inside you. Sort of like a pearl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They call them man pearls. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, Kidney stones. Have you ever never seen a necklace of kidney stones? Uh, No. Yeah, that's because we definitely don't. (laughs) I'm going to Etsy right now. (laughs) It's like a protective mechanism, too. That way it doesn't become a site for bacterial infection. Yeah, and in the case of the stone baby, that this is what the immune system is supposed to yeah. do. It's like, this is foreign. We can't get rid of it. So we're just going to seal it off mm-hmm. and make it a rock. And it'll just be a rock inside of you, which is kind of amazing that we have a process for mm. that. It would be interesting to see what gets calcified inside you if you leave other weird objects mm. inside you. All right. Mm. What? We're, we're, doing, what we're doing an experiment. Easy to test. Yeah. Put some objects in me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll each have a different object. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of us have to get the same, like, four objects. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In us, so You're that we right. can test, see how it goes. For right. science, yeah, we'll report it. back. Yeah. yeah. Can I get like a cool object though, like a shark's tooth? Oh, yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, awesome. we need different materials too. Yeah. So, like, yeah. right. denting. Yeah. <laughs> Get a, sh- yeah. a plastic thing, maybe. Right. Sure. Can of tuna. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I was hoping for something a little smaller than like a can of tuna. Seven, they have to be small. <laughs> Where are we going to fit it in around our organs? Uh, do they make sample cans? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, high quality tangents, oh, everybody. There's okay. definitely kidney stone jewelry. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, really? Oh, I could. There's none on Etsy. Boom. No, there's none on Etsy. They must not sell human yeah. waste products. Or <laughs> <laughs> this must be a rule. Okay, we gotta move on. We gotta move on. There's not enough time for this. We have to vote and move on to Ask the Science Couch. I've actually heard of both of these things, huh. so. I was not mind blown. Oh. I knew that there was like fake panda pregnancy mm. and the panda was like, oh, I'm getting honey and Snickers bars. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, didn't, I did not know that that was made up by clickbait headline writers. <laughs> so that's good. Oh, that's way cooler. You though. didn't know part of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give mine to Sari. Oh my God. Uh, I had heard of the stone babies and I didn't know about the, the fake pregnancy. So, so you're going to give, gonna it, give to it to Sam. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. Now it's time for Ask the Science Couch. Stefan, hit us with that question. At Polly Zendi asks Are there any other species that experience morning sickness during pregnancy and what causes it? As far as we can tell, no other what? animals do. What? Which Mm -hmm. is wild. I tried my best to research it, and I couldn't find any primary sources. So if you have papers, send them this way. In all the literature, it's called nausea and vomiting of pregnancy, or NVP. It affects 70 to 80 percent of all pregnant people. 20 to 30 percent are just lucky. Yeah. Like, as far as we can tell, there is one review by Pregnancy Sickness Support, which is an organization in the UK that reviewed different studies in, like, captive rhesus macaques, in captive chimps. Chimpanzees. They asked experts, and people have said that we have not seen vomiting in apes or monkeys mm. or any signs of nausea. Mm. That's be... even remotely comparable to They're humans. They're still jumping around in the trees and stuff. Like it's always. Like, whatever. Yeah. Is it because we are capable of responding to like our emotions, or no. we have the luxury oh, of being able to physiological? There hmm. are hypotheses. So what we have seen in non-human animals, like macaques. And dogs and cats, also these are quoted from experts, I have not read the papers, are that they experience food aversion. Mm. So Mm. at certain stages in their pregnancy, they avoid certain types of food. Mm -hmm. And that could be an evolutionary response to protect the baby from potential toxins, especially Mm. if you're sharing nutrients. Apparently pandas do this too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One of the main hypotheses in humans is that morning sickness is a way to protect our embryo because our diets are so, so varied. Mm-hmm. Vomiting protects against toxins from microorganisms and other chemicals that could affect fetal development, especially because mm-hmm. morning sickness peaks a lot in the first trimester, which is when, according to this, uh, the cells of the embryo are starting to differentiate and form organs. So like really critical parts mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. early embryo development. We eat so much varied food. Right. That there could be natural chemicals in those because everything is chemicals Mm -hmm. that would affect fetal development in a strange way. Right. So So it's almost like this is a time of the pregnancy, which is a very important thing for a human being. You shouldn't eat right now. Just stop taking in anything. Mm -hmm. And and it does make sense because like not only like one – person in one place is going to eat a lot of different things. But humans are all over the place. We have such a varied diet. And yeah, there's a, there are, there's a lot of like weird stuff, especially pre-agriculture and mm-hmm. what we ate. And that's both like microbes and things that we would consider toxins, but also just like, you know, when you eat like ground up grain, 
Like, who knows what what's also in that grain? It's mm-hmm. not just, like, beautiful carbohydrates. There's a bunch of other stuff in there. Does morning sickness last throughout the day, or is it just a morning thing? In my experience, uh, having had friends go through this, it is not always isolated to the morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It, morning sickness is not a really good name for it, which mm-hmm. is why the scientists call it nausea and, and vomiting of pregnancy, because it can happen at any point during the day. There are a couple other hypotheses for why it exists. Hormones is like one general thing because, Mm. I don't know, that seems to make sense in how we study human bodies. Like, (laughs) oh, something weird is happening during pregnancy. I don't know what's happening. Hormones. Right. Uh, (laughs) Chimpanzees also have lots of hormones at this time. They're not puking, but hormones. But hormones. We got different ones or different levels of them. Yeah. Some people have hypothesized it's parent-offspring genetic conflict. So the oh. fact that, I don't know, you are, like, your tagline, Stefan, you are growing a foreign body inside you that has a different genetic makeup and a blood type that's not compatible with you. Yeah. And the placental uh. cells, I think, are chimeric. So they're part mm-hmm. like parental, oh. part child, which is a weird biological thing that's happening. And so as a part of that, your body is reacting negatively to the right. fact that you're growing an alien. But, but also be... a thing that happens to chimpanzees. Yeah. Like yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> but shrug. Um, or <laughs> the social hypothesis is that it's communicating to nearby right. people that you're pregnant and need help, basically. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so I like that like, one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Please take it, care of me. When you're like a Neolithic person and you're like your 16-year-old daughter starts puking and they're just mm-hmm. like, I'm going to check this out. Yeah. I'm going, I am worried now. This. Do you have the flu or do you have the baby? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Either way, lie down. I'll take care of you. Yeah. So it's just, it's it's a signal. There should be some other early pregnancy signal that's just like you just grow like a green patch on your forehead. Ooh. That'd be great. Uh, so we didn't have to have pregnancy tests. Uh, fascinating. Didn't know how many places we could go from just that one question. If you want to ask, I think that was my favorite viewer question ever. That's very good. I like that. If you want to ask the science couch, you can tweet your question to us using the hashtag AskSciShow. Thank you to Emma Price and CL Polly and everybody else who tweeted us your questions. And now it is time for the final Hank Buck scores. Stefan, you lose with one. Ugh. Sam, you lose mm-hmm. with one. Sari and I tie with two. Oh, yay. Mm. Science couch. Cool. Yeah. One day. One day, one day. (laughs) If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's really easy to do that. First, you can leave us a review wherever you listen. That's super helpful and helps us know what you like about the show. Second, tweet us your favorite moment from this episode. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, you can just tell people about us. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. I have been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stephen Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and WNYC Studios. It's produced by all of us and Caitlin Hoffmeister. Our art is by Hiroko Matsushima, and our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno, and we couldn't make any of this stuff without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you, and remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. So the very first ever baby poop is like a blackish green sticky mass that apparently doesn't stink like normal poop called meconium. And it's just a bunch of junk that builds up from being in a uterus like dead cells, amniotic fluid, intestinal secretions, and bile. Ooh, yay. Your very first poop, everyone. (laughs)